that video is that video is so awkward. Oh my goodness! And I know it's coming. And I'm just I'm like, you ever watch something you know it's coming? You're like cringing inside, but you can't stop watching it. Uh, that's that's how I feel about that video. Truly uh, funny. Well, I love what they did there, but uh, there's something that's not funny about uh, sometimes how we treat God. I got to tell you, we've been on a journey here in 2020 as a church where we've just been diving into some things that God's word has to say to us. And uh, in, in my heart and all this, if we've gone after difficult subjects, I feel like at times that uh, we treat, that I have treated God's word, where I'll, I'll take pieces of God's word that are just offensive to me. I'll take pieces of God's word that are invasive in my life and I'll take them out of like my meal of God's word because I don't want the drama in my life. I don't want the, the apple cart upset. And I, at times I'll be like, I like this part. I don't like that part. So I'm gonna really concentrate on the parts I like. And I'll start to dismantle the entirety of God's word in my life. And as we do that, collectively, I think that's been done. We do it in our own lives. What really starts to happen is God's word doesn't lose its power, its potency, its, able, its, its ability to really interact with us in a meaningful way. But the way we approach God's word, this piecemeal approach of only what we want, this diluted version of it, what that does is that creates really just boring interaction with God. It, it creates an environment in church that is so diluted and so much of the energy and the invasiveness of who God really is in our life is taken away that uh, many, many husbands don't want to come because what impact is it going to make? Many of us, we, we say, it's just, it's got, no, it's got no sharpness to it. It's not really impacting my life or bringing about dramatic change or a quantum leap in my life. And the reason is because we've, we've kind of taken pieces and parts of it, and I don't want to be a part of that, which is why for us, even though sometimes the surgery that God does when he comes into our life and he brings a principle to us, it can be, it can be difficult and there's gonna be some healing that has to happen. We know that when, if we take that, God has got good things for us. That's why we've been diving into this series because God's word, it's a word that arrests us. It's, it's a word that invades our, sometimes our comfort and it, and it really looks at us in the depths of who we are and it says we've gotta deal with these things. So we've been in a series about finances because Jesus in God's word has something to say about it. Of all the things that we might grapple with, uh, it really might come down to the promise about what, what God brings us in the book of James. See, everything comes from God. When we put everything and everyone else before God, there's nothing funny about that. And how can God be so good to us when we ignore him? But everything comes from God. Here's this promise in James 1.17. It says this, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There's no change in who he is, and every good thing that has been given to us in our life comes from God. And either all of God's word is true or none of it. We can't say, well, I'm going to take this piece or not take that piece. Maybe, perhaps in our lives, we've struggled with this very idea that every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. Everything we have comes from him. Yet many of us live our lives as though none of it belongs to or comes from God. There's a man who goes to the doctor 
And he's going to have a checkup with the doctor. And he's in a lot of pain. And this man begins to describe to the doctor his pain. And he points at it. He's like, my knee hurts. And my, my forehead hurts. My head, I've got headaches here. And my, I've got lower back pain. And my, my right foot's got an ache in it. And, you know, I've, I've got problems in my right shoulder. And the, the doctor grabs this man's hand. And he says, I, I'm, I'm going to help you with the pain in your life. Uh, really, what's happening here is you've got a broken finger, Okay. And you, you continue to point at all kinds of things in your life. And this is the problem. This is the problem. Many times the, the problem is something that is right in our hand that we have ignored. When it comes to money, people always are quick to point to something else or to someone else for the reason of their pain and their problems. And no matter what you've been told or who has said it to you, the truth is this, living with relentless financial pressure Bills and burdens and the bondage of debt are the consequences of our own choices. And maybe you're in a place where someone else's choices have put you there, but your future depends on your choices. We are either where we are at because we put ourselves there, but none of us are going to get out of where we're at without making our own choices to go there. We get to choose. And it's crazy what some of us will choose. I would like to prove that to you. A study was done. Several years ago, James Patterson and Peter Kim published a, a result of a national survey. Here's the name of the survey they did across the country. It's called The Day That America Told the Truth. The Day America Told the Truth. They discovered what people would be willing to do for money. And these are some of the things they would be willing to do for $10 million, along with the percentages of the people who would say, I'm in for that. So $10 million would you do this? Here's how many people said, I'm, I'm down. People said for $10 million, 25% of them would abandon their entire family. Some of you are like, I'll do it for free right now. <laughs> you have to, I'll take the 10 million, but I'll, I'll do it for free, right? You shouldn't point at one another in that part. Come on, that's not. Some of these questions were crazy tough questions. This one's actually sad. 23% of people surveyed said they would become a prostitute for a week or more for $10 million. They would, they would give away that piece of their identity. 16% would give up American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouse. This one's a little interesting. With, uh, they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go for free. 10% of people said, I would do that. 10%. 7% would kill a stranger. Shocking, I know. Uh, 3% would put their children up for adoption. We threaten all the time. I, I think it's lost its, its, its weight, right? When we threaten that. What would you be willing to do for $10 million, though? It's unbelievable the choices that people make that we all make when it comes to money. What's even more unbelievable is that is that people believe that they can make choices without any consequences. Every choice carries a corresponding consequence, especially those choices that don't honor God. If we really want to change our lives financially as we dive into 2020 and have a, a different reality moving forward, then we've got to start making some brand new choices. The wisest man who ever lived was Solomon. It's the son of David. Solomon asked for wisdom from God. God admittedly gives him wisdom. This brilliant guy who is wisdom from the Father above writes the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, is some of the best advice you will ever get in your lifetime. This is big stuff, and it tells us the choices we need to make. 
It just lines out for us a clear path for 2020 when it comes to our finances and how we interact with God. Some of these choices for some of us in the room are brand new ideas. It's like I said, it's, they might be invasive ideas. They might be offensive ideas to you. But this is what God has for you. God is coming to you saying, I've got something for you. Some of us maybe in this room, we've, we've done these things for a while. We've done some of them for a while. And it's not new information to us. Whether it's brand new information to you or something you've been practicing for a while, everything that Solomon has to say to us are the best choices we can make in our lives. Would you lean into this just for a moment and listen to this critical advice? We gotta choose him first. Proverbs 3, verses one through 10. Here's the, the word of the Lord today. My son... Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Incredible 10 verses from the, the wisest guy who ever lived. Inspired by God. Stuff for us to pattern our lives. There's really kind of three sections in these 10 verses. There's three sections that you can kind of sum up. Remember what God says. That's verses one through four. Remember what God says. And then he, tr he, he stresses this. Trust what God does. Verses five through eight. Trust in what God is doing and how he repetitiously does it again and again. And he will not fail you. We just sang about that. And then verses 9 and 10, where I would cause us to focus our attention today. Do this. Honor who God is. The choice here is pretty clear. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It is more specific than that. It says the first fruits of all of your produce. I love the, the New Living Translation's got some different vernacular here. Listen to the, the words in the New Living Translation. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything that you produce. So if we choose to not give our first fruits, the best part of everything we produce, we are not honoring God. This is the wisdom that Solomon has for us. Dave Ramsey is a famous talk show host uh, syndicated on radio across the country. Some people are fans and some people are scared when you say his name, okay? They run away from the conversation. Regardless, Dave Ramsey uh, wrote a book that sold a lot of copies. It's called How to Have More Than Enough. How to Have More Than Enough. Here's what he says in his book. If you are not tithing, that is, giving God the first 10% of your income, start today. Make your giving the first check you write at the top of your budget. Have you ever considered that perhaps the failure to honor God off the top of your income is the reason you have been struggling financially? 
You may be thinking, tithe, I, how am I supposed to give away 10% of my income? I barely can pay the phone bill. Dave says this, then get rid of your phone, but do not rob God. Amen. Some people, some people though, they say, hey, I, I'm a student of God's word and I, I know that Jesus came and we get a brand new deal with Jesus. That's Old Testament stuff, man. I'm not held down by Old Testament. I'm free to live a New Testament Christianity. Well, well, Jesus shows up and he actually uh, does some things that are crazy. See, the Old Testament, people gave animals and sacrifices for giving something to the Lord. And Jesus shows up in 12.1 and it says, under the new covenant, we're this, we're living sacrifices. That we walk around as living embodiments of a sacrifice that lives a life to the honor of God. And Jesus doesn't come to change the Old Testament, but to raise the expectations higher. Jesus says some things in his most famous sermon from his own words, eyewitness account, that prove two amazing declarations. Here's Jesus' declaration number one. Matthew chapter five, verse 17, Jesus says this, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. Jesus says, I didn't come to do away with it, to say it's no longer good. Jesus says, I came to prop it up and to hold it and to make it good. Jesus came to fulfill it. All of the law that we couldn't live perfectly. Jesus says, I'm coming to do it, not to get rid of it, but to show you that it's possible. It's possible with him. Jesus makes another declaration. Here's Jesus' declaration number two and his sermon. Verse 19 of chapter five. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wants clarity for us, so he gives some examples. I love his clarity on how he raises expectations from the Old Testament law. Here's one of them in verse 21. He says this, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. See, Jesus didn't lower expectations. He raised expectations. Here's another clarity statement from Jesus in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, Jesus didn't lower expectations. Jesus raised expectations. He gives another example in verse 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Jesus goes on from there, to encourage us to not seek revenge or retaliation, but to go the second mile with people in our relationships. See, Jesus didn't lower expectations. Jesus, by his own words, raised expectations. Here's another one, verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, Jesus didn't walk around lowering expectations. Jesus raised expectations. So if Jesus did not come to abolish the law and kick it out and say, we're done with that, and he didn't do that with the prophets, he came to raise them, not lower them. What does Jesus have to say about tithing? 
He actually talks about it. We don't have to wonder what Jesus has to say. Uh, Jesus says something about it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. These are professional church people. These are people that got their, their church game down, okay? They look good. They got, their, they got all of their church game rolling, all right? They're, they're professional, professional preachers and people like that. This is a big deal. Jesus is like, woe to you, you're hypocrites. Here's why. He says, you tithe mint and deal, dill and cumin. Those are herbs from their gardens. They'll have a garden and they'll tithe even off of that. That's going like really far in that area of legalism on what they tithe. But Jesus says, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, you ought to have done these without neglecting the others. Jesus holds up the custom of tithing, but he calls us to an even higher level, not just giving, but what about other things like justice and mercy and faithfulness? In the same sermon, Jesus makes some very key points about money and giving. Here's what Jesus has to say in verse 19 of chapter six in Matthew. He says, don't lay up treasures for yourselves on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. And why would anyone want to keep everything for themselves? Do you think you can take it with you? Billy Sunday is a famous circuit rider preacher. This is back before preachers were in one church. He would go from church to church on a horseback and he would ride around. Turn of the century preacher Billy Sunday said, if we could take it with us, it would melt where some of us are going. <laughs> right? I love the, the, the quote from Frank Damasio. Frank gets it. Frank says, the only way to get our treasures into heaven is to put them into something that is going to heaven. The only way to get our treasure into heaven is to put it into something that is going to heaven. People go to heaven. Treasure doesn't go to heaven. It doesn't need any treasure. It's got plenty of treasure up there. People are treasure in God's economy. And this is why Jesus says in the book of Luke, chapter six, verse 19, he says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will become welcomed into eternal dwellings. Here's what this means in other words. Use your wealth to reach people for Christ and they'll thank you and welcome you one day in heaven. Just imagine that. That people that you are investing into, a party is going to happen one day when we invest into people because people are treasure. When that treasure goes to heaven and you get there, there are going to be people that are going to welcome you and say, because of your faithfulness and what you have done and investing in the kingdom, I know Jesus. I'm here today because of what you did. Welcome home. You're, you're the most significant person besides Jesus who is in heaven. They're going to be waiting for you there. This is an incredible thing. Jesus explains it in even better words in Matthew 6, verse 21. He says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And Jesus says, put your treasure in heaven, in people. Someone has said, it's possible for you to give without loving. We've probably all done this before. It is actually impossible, though, to love someone without giving. It's impossible to love someone without giving. And Jesus made it clear that what we give and how we give reveals our hearts. 
See, if you and I are going to achieve financial freedom, we have got to change our attitude, avoid the bondage of debt like we talked about last week, and we've got to choose to honor God with our wealth. He tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, these words, don't worry about how you're going to get your needs met. My Father will meet them all. Paul said the same thing in the book of Philippians 4.9. He said, my God will supply every need according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says it all in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, talking about our wealth. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you lay the words of Jesus right on top of the words of the, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, you will see the exact same thing said in our text today by Solomon. If we honor the Lord with our wealth and with the first fruits of all of our produce, then our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats will be bursting with wine. That's how we do it. So I believe that God's plan for us to really see financial success in 2020, for us to really have financial freedom, is here it is. We need to make tithing a part of our plan. How do you give God the first fruits? By faithfully giving to him at least a tithe of your income. A tithe is 10% of whatever God blesses us with each week, each, me, each month, however you're blessed and the bounty comes in from the work that you do, giving God off the top of that 10%. The single greatest thing you can do to turn your financial situation around is to make a choice to start trusting God and begin tithing. I believe that there are some choices that you can make and they cannot be great choices. You can invest in something. It's not the greatest thing. And you could, maybe you're working a job and it's not the smartest way to work the job. And there's a lot of things that you could be doing that aren't the best way to do it. And you could still find some financial success. But if you want a, a sure plan, God will always bless us when we follow his plan. Peter Marshall was uh, the chaplain of the United States Senate for a season the chaplain of the United States Senate, he tells a story of a man who decided to trust God with his finances and he began tithing. Mr. Marshall tells about this man and every week this man tithed faithfully to his local church and what happened was God began to bless his business. The blessings got so big that he became very prosperous. One day this man came to Dr. Marshall and he said, I've got a problem. I've been tithing now for quite some time and it wasn't too bad when I was making $20,000 a year. And I could afford to give $2,000. But you see, Dr. Marshall, I am now making $500,000 a year and there's no way I can afford to give $50,000 a year. Dr. Marshall said, sir, I see that you have a problem and I think we should pray about it. Is that all right with you? And he takes the man's hand. The man agrees. And Dr. Marshall bows his head in this moment and he says, dear Lord, this man has a real problem. And I want to pray that you will help him, Lord. So please reduce his salary. <laughs> reduce this man's salary back to a place where he can afford to tithe. So goofy. And we can play games with uh, the money God gives us, but we won't win. We won't win 
And Proverbs has got this track for us. It's just a clear plan. We've got to remember who God says he is. We've got to remember him. We've got to remember what he says, and we've got to trust what God does in our lives when we follow who he is. But we have got to honor God. Some of us have been confined to think that financial problems are just a way of life. And if it's going good right now, just hold on because something bad is going to come. And we, we do believe that it rains on the just and the unjust. And this is why God in the full counsel of his word tells us to save. Because if something bad hasn't happened to you yet, let me be positive in your life. It's coming. Okay. I'm, I'm positive that something is going to happen. The water heater is going to break on the worst day possible. Okay. The Proverbs 10.22 tells us this, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. See, the choice is ours. If you are serious about getting out of debt or having a different financial outlook or teaching finances to your children so they have a different life than what you've lived a long one in. If you're serious about that, make tithing the centerpiece of your financial plan. Make it about God, make it for God, and you will see how he shows up in your life. God's word says that if we bring the full tithe into the storehouse, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, we will not have room for it. This is in his word. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 is the best advice you could possibly have as you venture into 2020. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your produce, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. You can live your life by chance. And we all know someone that by chance, man, they're doing well. We all know someone that by chance is doing well. And you can take that chance, but you probably know a whole lot of other people that are living by chance and they're not doing well. If you don't want chance to be a part of your life, then live your life by choice and follow God's plan. Because there is not a chance in the world that you are going to find a better plan than God's plan for your life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we want to listen to all the words you say not just the ones that comfort us and make us feel good about a problem, but everything that you have to say. And you are doing surgery, like really kind of invasive surgery in our lives in this area. I know that there are folks in here that uh, they feel the bondage of debt. And truth, truth be told, they don't know how to, how to get out. And this idea of tithing first sounds crazy. I love what my brother Ed quoted just a couple weeks ago that we believe you can do better with 90% of our income than we can do with 100% of it. And it's just a trust issue. We trust you with our eternal salvation. We trust that you're the son of God. We trust that you've got good things for us. We trust you that you're gonna bring a spouse into our life. Or we trust you with our children and their future. But why do we not trust you when it comes to our finances? Some of us just need to repent and start to follow your plan. So would you, would you do that surgery in our lives? Even though it's uncomfortable and it's, it's awkward and it kind of uh, stops us in our tracks with our plans, help us not live by chance, but live by choice. May we be a people that choose to honor you with our wealth. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. 
We want to thank you for being here with us this weekend. And uh, along with this series, we've got the book that if you've not received that book, that uh, this series is based off uh, from uh, Barry. Uh, we've got that for you for free. We can give it to you over the next steps area. Make sure you get this week's handout. It's awesome. We love you. Have a great week. God bless.